You're listening to The Broken Meeple Show, a podcast that speaks passionately about board games for the benefit of those who play them. My name's Luke Hector, best known for The Broken Meeple YouTube channel, and I'm an everyday gamer just like you. And I'll be talking about reviews, top tens, and just about anything that connects me to board games. As long as I have a tea or coffee in hand, that is. So grab a cup, relax, and enjoy. And remember, it's only a game. Hi everybody, my name is Luke Hector and you're listening to the Broken Meeple podcast show or the Broken Meeple show or whatever it's called these days on for, on Halloween in fact, 31st of October 2022, Ooh, spooky, Ooh. I'm not a Halloween fan, I mean I've uh, got my trouble up there from Zatu, the orange thing, that's about the most orange thing in this house when it comes to you know going on about Halloween, it's just not for me, I mean I, I don't like gross horror, body horror, that kind of thing, it grosses me out. Uh, long ago was there a time when anybody could make an actual scary horror film. I mean, Alien, for example, the original Alien is still one of the all-time greats. You know, these days it's all just about trying to make yourself sick for the sake of being sick. And it's just, that's not what I want from a horror film. You know, I want atmospheric horror. And unfortunately, the, you know, modern-day cinema can't do that anymore. It's just, how much blood can we get on the screen and make you all feel sick? It's like, don't like it. And I don't really do the kids thing either. I mean, it's it's for kids. Halloween is for kids. I'm just not into it. So I just basically shut myself in the room with usually the lights off, although on this occasion I need to do reviews, so the lights are on, and just try and avoid getting the phone, um, doorbell to ring. So it's just, it's not for me. I don't really care. So <laughs> that's just how it is. But yeah, this podcast is a day late, a day or so late, because of something we'll get onto later. But generally, um, things are pretty good. I'm just a little bit on the uh, positive stress side at the moment, mainly just because there's a lot to do. So, as you can see, I've already been putting up a fair few reviews lately. You know, we've had Tribes of the Wind, 2,000 views, looking good. Splendid Jewel, 1,600. Woodcraft, 2,500. You know, Oathsworn, 4,700. That was pretty good. And of course, the last crowd surfing, but I've also had a game convention to go to. I've also just been home to visit the parents for the weekend, and it's just taken a lot of time. You know, a lot of time is on my hands, not to mention I've just got so many games to review at the moment. It's kind of crazy because I've still got all those Essence stuff over there, and after I'm done with this podcast, if I've got a throat left, I'm going to get on with Attawa, I've got to do Lacrimosa, um, I've got to, which one have I got to do? I've got to do Flamecraft, I need to do Endless Winter at some point, and then I've still got to play Northgard and Eleven and more of War of the Ring and deal with the Devil and Starship Captains <laughs> and Hamlet uh, and Solar Sphere. There's loads, loads of games I need to play. Oh yes, and ISS Vanguard. There's just a lot to do at the moment, and like I say, you're just going to have to bear with me all the way leading up to Christmas, because on top of that, I obviously need to do the podcast, I need to do crowd surfing, and I'm also starting up the, uh, what you call it, the collaborations again, So and also do normal top list, top 10 lists, now that the uh, top 100 has finally finished. I still need to do a live stream talking about that top 100, actually, so again... There's a lot on my plate, so leading up to Christmas, there's certainly plenty of content to come. I just hope nothing else new turns up, really. Although, saying that, uh, no, not to my knowledge. I've just got a lot of stuff to get on with. It's 
it's good stress, but it is still stress. It's like there's a lot to get done. And obviously, if, you know, publishers want their stuff out soon and other people are doing first impressions of things, whereas I'd rather do reviews. Although there are one or two games I'm going to have to do a first impressions of, you know, like deal with the devil on that. So it's kind of like just trying to keep up and while still doing my own thing. But I'll get through it. I always do. This is why I'm moving the top 100 to a different period. You know, after all, this was part of the reason why, which everybody voted on it and they opted for quarter one of 2024. So that will be the next top 100 list, which is good. That gives me 14 odd months or so to basically let the list juggle around a bit, you know, have a bit more movement, you know, new games. And by that point, there'll be two sets of Essen games to go on that list. This Essen and next year's Essen. So, you know, there'll be quite a decent amount of jumbling around, I think, with the games. So it'll be a very interesting list. But yeah, it had to move. It just could not be done around September and August and October again. It just wasn't possible. And I think it's going to be good for my sanity. So, all right, well, let's get on with the show then. There's quite a bit to talk about. First off, let's talk about what I played. And I got two games for you. Firstly, the good one. Okay. I did a live stream literally yesterday with the the lovely, lovely, lovely Paul Grogan. <laughs> I've got to say that. Uh, I'm contractually obligated to say those words whenever I mention his name. But basically, we did a couple of live streams on this channel uh, recently. So I did Spend a Jewel in Attawa, or Etowa, or however you pronounce it, on Friday. But on Sunday, we did Frostpunk, and this was my first time playing the new Frostpunk game. I love the video game. I love this war of mine. I think this publisher could easily get the theme right with this. And so I was desperate to go home to Somerset, visit the parents, and then go to his in order to play this. But by all means, go share his video. Thumb it up. Thumb it up on Board Game Geek. Share it on social media. This deserves to get some, you know, some like some more buzz yes it was a very very long stream but we're playing a four player lengthy game with a full tutorial as we're playing it okay it takes a while all right so it's not a short game but also it's not a short tutorial but this guy put a lot of effort into this video and it was most definitely worth it because frostpunk for me was oh god yes finally 2022 is bringing it home i mean so i've been waiting ages for uh come on come on load the picture on the screen there we go frostpunk the board game glass cannon unplugged i think there were like a little spin-off from awakened realms but oh man i've been looking forward to this so much and we played it uh this is prototype pictures that you see here but essentially like the game you are trying to survive in a winter you know wasteland you know everything's gone to pot you're in effectively england frozen england and you've got this big generate generator in the middle it provides heat but you've got to fuel it with coal you uncover hexes around this map to find resources you send scouts on expeditions and then there's all sorts of different scenario based things like storm approaching or you've got, you've got to enact laws and depending on which law you enact there's going to be people who like you people who don't these things insert new cards into a dusk deck which come out in you know a bit like in robinson crusoe where you make a decision and something comes to bite you later similar sort of deal here but then you've got other event cards that turn up you've got all these different buildings you've got technologies there's variable setup there's so much in this game there is it's not a simple game there's a lot to get your head around i mean this is getting not quite spirit level island of heaviness in terms of how much thinking you could do in this game but it's a heavy game so do not go into it thinking otherwise 
but I really enjoyed this. I mean, these buildings are, with the wash effect look great. The Look at them. They look so good. And I went all in on this, so I cannot wait for my copy. I believe they're fulfilling as we speak. And yes, I will do a review on this. But you've got all the different boards. You've got those cards. You've got this glorious artwork where it really does look like it's from the video game. And I, I was really like thinking, oh, God, is this theme going to work? Are you going to give me the theme that I need? Because this war of mine, I talk a lot about this war of mine, and it's got a very strong theme and a strong narrative. Well, this one had to do the same in order to really rope me in, and it does. The theme on this game is, oh, it oodles the theme. You know, they have to take one or two liberties from the video game, but the theme in this is just off the chain. You know, you've got those laws. You've got the fact that people, you know, first law we had to do was do we want child labor or not? This is a game where you do make some morally questionable decisions, but it's all really good fun. And, you know, we're debating like with the other players, you know, oh, do we get to child labor or do we put them into shelters? Well, I don't know. I kind of like the child children to do a bit of work. I mean, everybody's got to pull their weight around here. But then if you put them into shelters, it's easier to house them. They don't need uh, much, uh, you know, you can heat their shelter and they won't get sick. And it's like, oh, I don't know. What do we want? And eventually we did get child labor. And as much as I wanted the extra workers, I kind of almost regretted doing that, by the way, by the time we got later on. But oh, we were doing a lot of discussion, a lot of, you know, a lot of proper cooperation. I was the health advisor, so I had to look after the sickness and the, like, the sickness tracks and tell people how many workers we had and try and cure people. It was, it, you know, everybody can be their own advisor, which means that they pilot an aspect of the game. If you play it solo, you've got to do all four of them, and that's going to be a brain burner. But... I think if you're teaching this to other players, giving them an advisory board is pretty cool. Now, is it mainly a solo game? Yes and no. There is a lot of discussion you will have with other players in this game because you can't just make your decisions willy-nilly. And if you have an alpha player, well, that's an alpha player's problem. But if you play with multiplayer, it's going to take a while. You're going to be discussing a lot, and it is mainly about piloting the different stations because you're talking about what actions you want to do as a group. So you could argue that this is mostly for solo gamers, but I'm a solo gamer, so I'm certainly going to enjoy that aspect. But you know what? I would teach this to a couple of people or maybe one other person to play a two or three player game with, and I would still have a great time. It would just be an event, you know, something for a convention maybe. But, oh man... I cannot wait for my copy to arrive. My first impressions of this are like 9 out of 10. Potentially this could be a 10 out of 10 once I've had more plays of it. But oh man, I frostpunk in this war of mine. Awake, you know, this glass, I forget how it works with Awakened Realms and Glass Cannon Unplugged and Galactica Games, which was this war of mine. But these two games, this war of mine and frostpunk, have had the best, the best video game to board game ports I've ever seen. No other video game has come that close. And I'm even including XCOM in that because XCOM at least had to take liberties with the whole missions where you're basically just doing things on a card as opposed to doing the tactical skirmish thing. But the rest of XCOM's great. But I'm including the fact that that's not anywhere near up to the par level of Frostpunk and this war of mine. Those two board games take the video game and really respect the theme and make it juicy gritty and dark which is what i want ah it was a very pleasurable pleasurable experience and great fun to play with paul and the other guys as well paul really loves this game we don't tend to agree on a huge amount of games that we love 
But the fact that both of us really enjoy this one, this is currently my favourite of the year I've played. Uh, well, it's this or Tribes of the Wind. One of those two is going to be my favourite of the year at this rate. But man, the fact that games have just generally been kind of meh or good but not great for most of 2022 or worse... You know, it's so good that the last three games, Tribes of the Wind, Splendor Jewel, and Frostpunk, have really won me over. It's like, finally, we've got some good games in 2022. Although I do have a lot there, so there could be more. But we'll have to see. There's just not many belters at the moment, which is what I want. So, now that I've talked praise about this game, why don't I talk about some utter, utter garbage? <laughs> oh, my word. Um, I basically... Um, was introduced to a certain game at home. So I have to bear in mind that this was bought by my niece in conjunction with my brother. My niece is barely, what, five years old at this point, four or five years old. And my brother is not a board game expert. So I wasn't exactly expecting greatness here, especially with an IP like Only Fools and Horses. They bought my dad a game called Only Fools and Horses Trading the Board Game. Oh boy. And I'm looking at the Zatu website here, and it's on there. You can buy this game still. You know, you can buy this game for like 20 bucks. Zatu, you should be ashamed that you put this game on your website. But it's not just Zatu, because apparently you can get it on Amazon as well for half the cost. Like literally £11 you can buy this for, or £8 if you go to the works. Oh no, it's out of stock at the works. Okay, so you can't get it from the works. But you can get it on 11 quid on Amazon, right? Don't waste your money on this utter piece of tri utter piece of tripe. This is god awful, absolutely god awful. Oi, oi, oi! And what do you expect? I mean, this was made what, like a decade ago, or oh, it was a decade ago. I forget, but you know, this is a mass market game. Of course, it's going to suck. But when we've played these sort of games, like modern games. It's insane that we've got to this point now where we look at these old games and we like, oh my god, this was a thing? Like, we forget how badly designed a lot of older games were, particularly these mass market ones. So, what do you do with this one? Well, here. Join Del Boy, Rodney, Uncle Albert, and the gang in trading the board game. Make your way around the memorable locales of Peckham. No, you don't. You don't go anywhere in Peckham. It's a board with rings on it. All right? You will need to get to market with your suitcase, your trader's license, and of course your trusty free-wheeled van. Delboy never had a trader's license. He was doing it illegally. That's part of the theme. So already it's mucked up the theme here. Okay. Along the way, collect Pucker products, which is cards of goods, basically, to trade with your fellow players to gain genuine products, but beware of ooky goods. Pick a he who dares card and see what hand fate has dealt you. Will you be lucky or will you be down on your luck? Use your skills at trading to end up with the highest value products to win the game. Say magnifique. Where do I begin? <laughs> so, I mean, if you look at this board, there's no locales of Peckham here. It's literally a bunch of rings with red squares for nothing. And a bunch of things like he who dares and buy and trade. Much like wandering around a Monopoly board without the properties, okay? This is a roll and move game. Uh-oh, yeah. Roll and move, remember when that was a thing? You roll and move, and what you got to do is you got to go to those three corner spaces there to get those three things I mentioned. The license, the car, and everything. And then you've got to get to the middle, and then whoever gets to that point is out of the game. When everybody's done this, yes, you have to wait for everybody to be done. You basically have to see how much money everybody's got in genuine goods less the money that they've got in ookie goods. So it's plus and minus. 
And I kid you not, you have to roll exact to get on those corner spaces. Oh my god, this used to be a thing. And I don't know when this was made, but I don't think that this was made any earlier than the mid-90s. You know, so Catan had appeared, I think, by the time this was made. And we are literally doing roll and move, exact move, sorry, and stuff like that. You literally can roll... No, you can roll the wrong number constantly, not able to get your free wheel van, and somebody can just get exact on the first turn and be ahead of you. Oh boy. I actually spent about 20 turns trying to land on one space. It was infuriating. Yes, I played this, because my dad, in his infinite wisdom, wanted to at least claim that he played it, right, before he reported back to my brother. I read the rules, all four pages of the rules, and could tell in a glance that this was trash, okay? So... I did, I basically said to him, Dad, this is trash. Trust me, this is a trash game and I'm not just talking because I play modern games. This game is trash, all right? And he was like, right, set it up then. What? Yeah, set it up on the board. What do you mean, set it up? You're not serious. Yeah, I'm serious. No, no, Dad, seriously. Whatever I've done to you in the past, it ain't worth this. We've done the way I'm not playing this, Dad. Yet yeah, set it up. We're going to play it. We've got to find out what it's like. I can tell you what it's like. It's trash. And he, he forced the two of us to play it. Oh, God, I hated every second of that. <laughs> I mean, you roll a move, and the He Who Dares is literally an event card where you roll a die, even means success, odd means fail. And this, the swinginess of what the rewards are on these are insane. The event, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's just a success or fail chance on a die, right? You roll around this move, you go around this board. If you get on a buy space, you get a Pooker Pooker uh, Product card, right? And it's basically got a good... A genuine good or an ookie good. And it will have three different values on it. Genuine, ookie, or trade. The trade value is worthless because all that is is a value that you can quote when you're trading cards with other players. Get on that a bit later. So the genuine value is what you want for the genuine goods. And the ookie value is what you want for the ookie goods. Except it's printed on all the cards. So why do I care about the ookie value being on the genuine good card and vice versa? Makes no sense. Okay, so... You land on a space saying trade. Oh, you get to trade with other players. That could be fun. That could be interactive. <laughs> oh, doctor, you have been naive. You know, this one, literally the trading aspect, it tells you in the rule book, you've got to be crafting and coax your other players in order to, you know, get the, what was it, get the ookie goods out of your hand and end up with genuine goods. Okay, so there's a bluffing aspect. No, there isn't. It As the rules are written... You exchange a card with another player. One other player, one card. That's it. There's no trading in this. You don't get the choice of whether to trade. You don't get to say, right, I'm going to give you 50 quid's worth of stuff. What are you going to give me? Because people aren't going to suddenly say, well, I'll give you 50 quid's. I'll give you 150 quid's worth. Okay, that's not made. You just literally exchange a card. That's all you do. There's no trading. There's no bluffing. There's nothing. You literally just give them the worst ookie card you have in your hand, and they do the same, if they have one. So it's luck of the draw what goods you get, it's luck of when the people trade with you, and there is no actual trading. It is literally just exchange a card. It's a take that mechanism. Oh my god! <laughs> Oh, this is insane. And some of these goods, you could pick up a genuine good that's a like a little piece of china and it's worth 10 quid. There's another card where you could pick up a genuine good and it's worth 200 quid. What? <laughs> so, 
Ugh, I'm having a brain aneurysm just talking about this thing. This game was horrible and you get the exact role to get on the market at the end. You do one last trade and then see who's got the most money as if it friggin' matters. <laughs> this game, honestly, you pay £10 for this, you pay £1 for this, you find this in a charity shop and I'm sorry but that charity is going to, you know, going to have to do without lunch tomorrow because I don't care what charity it is. It's not worth paying the 50 pence for this game. It's so crap. <laughs> it's utter crap. Oh my god. I just, the thing is, I'm laughing now. So it's if it's brought me any joy, it's the fact that I couldn't stop laughing with my dad at the end of it, or during it, because I was constantly ripping this game a new one. And afterwards, it was like, I'm not forgiving you for this. And throughout the rest of the day, it's like, whenever we were playing other games, I was like, I was making comparisons with like Splendor and uh, Ticket to Ride and that we were playing for the rest of the game, uh, rest of the day, to this game. And it's just like, you made me waste, tw you made me waste 30, 20, 30 minutes on this piece of tat. <laughs> and I think that was only because we fast forwarded to the end. This game could have taken at least an hour to play had we continued to try and roll exact numbers to get on the wretched spaces with components that are cardboard that you fold in half and put in a standee that aren't even straight. It's warped. The board was warped. It literally looked like a duckbill platypus. It was <laughs> like a duckbill platypus beak. It was ridiculous. Oh my god. If you see this board game, stay away. Although, to be honest, did you really need me to advise you on this? Okay, this game is trash. It's utter trash. Don't go near it. Please don't go near it. Oh my god. Ah. Yeah, people actually wanted me to do a physical review of this game. I'm sorry, but uh, it's not April Fool's right now, okay? I do not feel like I need to... Uh, contribute a time and effort to a review of this game. So I figured I'll just talk about, uh, you know, oh man. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> crazy. Okay, let's just talk about a few news and very briefly, and one of them's a bit of a mini rant anyway, but I won't go into too much detail on them. So very first off, uh, more details have surfaced about a sequel to a very popular Euro game, not one that I'm a massive fan of, but other people love it. And that is Terra Mystica. So people love Terra Mystica and I'm borrowing the Dice Tower website for an ease of uh, sort of showing the page here. But Capstone Games have shared a bit more information about Terra Mystica Age of Innovations. This is a standalone sequel to Terra Mystica. So, okay, Terra Mystica is very popular with a lot of Eurogamers. I think it's too dry, I think it's too punishing, it's quite long, and I hate the idea that there is woeful balance issues with all the factions to the point where people actually bid victory points to see which faction they get to, for the setup board that they have or whatever it is. I can't remember like the other variations that you have. So, yeah, that boggles my mind. But this is a game that I liked at first and then quickly kind of went, yeah, I'm not that fine of it anymore. But this new sequel, and oh yeah, Gaia Project didn't make any difference. It was a slight improvement, but it was weird to see what you were doing on the board. The movement rules were a bit clunky. It's a very clunky game, but it was slightly better than Terra Mystica. Now, the Age of Innovations is being described as Terra Mystica on steroids. Terra Mystica wasn't a light game. <laughs> Do we need Terra Mystica on steroids? I mean, what is that? You know, it was already heavy. Are we talking squad commander level? <laughs> you know, what? 
I can't imagine what Terra Mystica on steroids would be. You know, Terra Nova is not the lightest game in the world, but I mean, that's the easier version. It's a more streamlined version. But now we're looking at 2023 for this standalone title. And man, uh, this would steroids. I'm a little bit concerned, okay? <laughs> you know, I, I dread to think what this is going to be. I mean, they've just announced it. They haven't really mentioned much, although there is a thread discussion on Board Game Geek that you can look at if you want to find out more information. But, uh, yeah, if you're into Terra Mystica, then by all means, have a look for this. But I can't see myself going nuts for a steroids version, put it that way. But for a bunch of you, I think this is going to be one of the most exciting news that you've heard in a long time. Okay, Teoti Huacan, or however you pronounce it, Deluxe is coming to Kickstarter next year. So this is Board and Dice's arguably best game. In fact, I probably think it is, because out of all the games that they've done to date, certainly lately, they've not really been pulling their weight. I've been doing, I did Terracotta Army, I did uh, Talatum or whatever it was, and then there, before that there was Tabanusi, and there was Origin First Builders, and none of them have managed to get a, uh, a did Talatum? No, Talatum I think was a 6 out of 10 as well. I don't think any of them have managed to get a endorsement from me. You know, not that they're terrible games, but they're just the same old, same old. It's just, here's some dice, do some mechanics, get some victory points. There's just nothing fun about them. They're just too bland. Well, Teotihuacan, I argue, is their best one. It's still on my shelf with all the expansions in it. However, we'll get on to later why that was a mistake. But this one is a deluxe big box edition of Teotihuacan City of Gods. It's coming in 2023, and it's basically going to include the base game, all the expansions, all the promos, all the challenges, whatever they were. I don't remember all the promos. And you can even get a beauty pack which will be available for those who already have it and just want to upgrade their game. So good, you don't have to invest in the entire thing. Although, given how packed that box is, you're probably going to want the big box if nothing else. Maybe that's, a, maybe that's what the beauty pack includes. So, okay, fine. I mean, the cover's a little bit dull. I actually prefer the cover on a normal box, frankly. But, you know, if you're a fan of this game or you want to get into it new, then this is a good way of doing it. But... Here's a little word of warning with this. You know, it's a heavy game. There's a lot going on, and it's a game I've just not really been able to get to the table much because it's got a lot of mechanics and a ton of rules overhead. And because there's no real theme in this game, it's difficult to teach it to new players, which stops me wanting to relearn all the rules again. So that's been a little bit of a put-off. But on top of that, well, the expansions, they don't get played a lot. I mean, I've played occasionally, which I think with the late pre-classic period one, which has the, the extra temple that you use and maybe one or two other changes. I would use maybe a few of the other technologies and the setup tiles I like to use. But that's about it. All these other... I haven't even touched Shadow of Zetal or whatever. I haven't touched uh, Expansion Period. I mean, these, these have got some rubbish names, by the way. I mean, it literally is just called Expansion Period. Seriously, that's the name of your expansion? <laughs> Come on, you couldn't have a little bit more in, like <laughs> creativity with that? But I've not even touched the expansions. I've got them, they're in the box, but now I'm thinking to myself, why did I buy the wretched things? This game is already complicated and rules overheady enough beforehand. You didn't add all this other stuff in, it just makes it worse. The game doesn't hit the table enough to warrant a lot of these expansions. So if you do buy this with all its stuff, you may find that you're wasting money on expansions you're never really going to play. The base game has enough variety in it as it is. You don't really even need the first expansion, frankly. There's enough in the game. All I've really used is the variable technologies and variable setup tiles. 
that's about it really the rest of it is just a bit too much but if you're a fan of this game and like i say i still enjoy the game although how long it's going to sit in the collection is a uh, another thing this might be hitting the coal pile at some point actually uh, not because of this kickstarter but just because it never really gets played it is it has gone down a bit for me well it's not down i mean it was a nine out of ten for me it's probably an eight seven maybe at this point uh, but eight at max so it's still endorsement level it's just such a bugbear to get to the table which is a bit of a problem so i don't know we'll see but you know if you're interested in this game and you want to jump in in the deep end then by all means check it out because hopefully it will be a nice looking package right now slight mini rant uh a little mini rant so there's been a bit of a sort of not a massive controversy at the moment, but a smallish controversy regarding a game called Unconscious Mind. Okay, so this is a game that I'm looking forward to. I was supposed to be getting a preview copy of it to do before its Kickstarter launch on the 8th, but shipping issues and various other reasons and stuff have meant that it's been somewhat delayed and it's un if I do see a preview copy it might not be for a while it might be after the launch you know I certainly am going to struggle to get this played and previewed in eight days if it arrives like tomorrow or something I just don't think it's going to happen so this may be one that I'll just have to cover when it releases and that but I'm excited to try this game this like you know two artists this like psychology going into dreams and stuff I mean this looks heavy definitely looks involved but it looks really cool and this theme seems really cool as well not to mention the two artists where you've got Vincent Dutrait love his art you know doing half of the game but then you've got another artist doing the other half so I think Vincent Dutrait does the real world and this other artist does the second half let's find out uh Andrew Bosley yeah so I think Andrew Bosley does the dream world and Vincent Dutrait does the real world stuff such a cool idea very creative and all about psychoanalysis and stuff and it's like this sounds like a really cool theme which uh, will they get the theme right I don't know but I'm you know this is all about Sigmund Freud stuff I'm not an expert on history so I can't really tell you more than that but you know this is a game I'm looking forward to trying now this was being previewed by a bunch of people uh funny enough Paul Grogan included uh, but it's being previewed by Rado and Board Game Co and a bunch of others as well there's like 20 odd creators I think that have got the news and this and like I say if I'd got a copy earlier I probably would have been one of them as well but there was a little bit of controversy regarding an embargo the there was no according to Fantasia there was no official embargo that was in place but all the emails kind of hinted that it was like you know wait until the kickstarter launch essentially you know the eighth rather than put it out miles ahead of time well apparently uh, uh you know a couple of creators you know i won't say names but a couple of creators went above their station and you know released their preview videos early when other people thought there was an embargo so naturally all the views have now gone to those videos. All the buzz is already there. If you know anything about like Kickstarter buzz and board game videos in general, like reviews and that, when you get there first, you suck up a lot of the viewership and the buzz and the attention, and it will quickly deteriorate in terms of buzz level for other people who then put their videos out later. It's something I have to deal with constantly because obviously trying to like do anything ahead of people like the Dice Tower or something is not impossible. And you know, certainly I can't go ahead of people like Rado and stuff. You know, they'll get their reviews down 
ages ago. But it's a thing that small creators have to deal with. You know, we come last because we have to, you know, we don't have the resources to get them out that quick. So this is apparently it's been said that there was no official embargo there's been a, a sort of semi-apology i think from the publisher and you know i think the creator who did it first uh, uh unlisted it which isn't the same as taking the video down unlisted simply means that you can't watch it without the link which means that if it's on board game geek you can still watch the video um a board game creator should know this <laughs> so that seems a little bit hmm <laughs> that, that wasn't taken down properly but the thing is because one person did it, another creator put theirs out as well. And some creators I know have not put their videos out because they weren't ready for releasing it now because they were planning to do it for the embargo date. Now, I do have a bit of a problem with this because I don't do previews very often, okay? Previews are not something that I do on a regular basis, but I know about embargoes okay embargoes are a big deal it's a professional request from the people doing like getting you to do the content and they should be respected now in this case we don't know if there was an official one or not it's not entirely clear i read the emails though that other people got as well it suggests it does kind of suggest that there was an embargo in place you know okay even if it may not have been spelt out in black and white but I took it to mean there was embargo, and so did a bunch of other people. So it's not like I'm the only one. And certainly I know of a couple of creators who also thought there was an embargo. But this... I, I have a problem with this. If you are into the, the, the hobby of previewing lots of Kickstarters, you should know that you should check on these things. I don't believe that anybody who does previews on a regular basis does not check up whether embargoes are in place if they're uncertain if there are. Making assumptions is not acceptable when you do this for a living, and it it bugs me that this happened because it almost feels like, you know, you know the South Park meme I use where it's got the guy on the grass just going, we're sorry, do, 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 you know, I, it's a false apology, but it's a South Park meme. Well, it almost feels a bit like that because it's like, oh, I slightly messed up. Oh, well, I'm getting all the views and all the buzz anyway, you know, all, you know, everything's coming to me, whatever. And because I'm popular, I can do what I like. Hmm, not something I'm keen on. And this goes to, this hurts small creators. And you know me, hashtag support small creators. We're on the back foot with a lot of this stuff. And they need all the buzz and night views that they can get because they're trying to build their channels up or try and make a name for themselves or just try and justify the effort that goes into making these videos. And it hurts them if stuff like this happens where somebody brings, like, sort of ignores an embargo or makes an assumption or brings it out early. Who's going to watch the video when it appears on their channels? Only the most devoted of fans. It hurts their viewership. It hurts their algorithm. It hurts everything. And it's like, ah, oh, that is a bit of a shame, really. You know, every time I've had a preview video done, I've always checked that there's an embargo, right? Even if it wasn't in black and white, I've checked. Is there an embargo in place? Yes or no. And I've always respected every embargo that has happened. I've never released it until the embargo date. But then I've seen times where people have ignored it as well. In fact, uh, I think a good example, Tainted Grail, The Kings of Ruin. I previewed that one, right? And I was thinking, right, I'm going to get this ready for the Kickstarter launch date because I thought there was an embargo for that date. And then it suddenly got released about a week early by other people. It's like, hey, wait, what? I thought this was waiting for the Kickstarter launch. And then it was like, oh, no, no, you can just release it whenever. It's like, 
oh great thanks you know i might have done it a bit earlier if i knew that and so by the time i release my version most people have already gone to the big channels and watched their versions it it hurt. It hurt the viewership, even though I'm very thankful to everybody who did watch that video, because it is one of my more popular previews that I've done. But, yeah, I, it's, like I say, I don't know the full facts behind what was necessarily done on this particular instance, hence I'm not really naming names. But the, I, I, the main reason I bring up this bit of news is because it's just, it bugs me. Embargoes are... a professional courtesy in my opinion you know they should be respected you should always check if there is one and if there is one stick to it don't break the rules you know it hurts smaller creators more than big creators and so i want these things to be respected and honestly publishers i think you should always have an embargo date yeah i think yeah even if it's not for a kickstarter launch every publisher who wants to do a preview videos for their new upcoming game should have an embargo date and it should be enforced properly enforced especially if you pay people to do the previews if they don't respect your embargo then don't give them the money or don't pay them as much because they violated the terms of the contract you know normal business practice but there should always be an embargo date so that every creator big or small can get it out on the same date and share in that buzz because when someone breaks the embargoes it hurts it hurts a lot of other people so yeah mini ramp but that was a random bit of news but i noticed it recently and i'm just like ah it's a bit of a shame really anyway let's get on to something a little bit more interesting i guess for a lot of you <laughs> all right the discussion topic so I did a review a little while ago uh, for Oathsworn. So Oathsworn, I thought, was a really cool game. Okay, I thought it had really good mechanics. I thought it had a great sort of uh, a reasonable narrative story. But I thought it had good boss encounter battles, lots of cool characters you could play, you know, a good card system. You know, I, I enjoyed this game, okay? But I got a little bit of flack from some people where I made comments... Uh, negative comments regarding its length it's like how much content is in this game the total time you have to commit because i called it where will i find time and that's a big deal with oathsworn because oathsworn's a good game i gave it an eight i think i gave it a good rating but you got to play about 21 chapters which are about three to four hours long if you play the story and the encounter together you, you know you're talking three to four hours per chapter 21 chapters Unless this is your game, that you, the only game you play, or you've taken two weeks off work and you're doing nothing, and I mean nothing else, no kids, no spouse, no nothing, and you're playing this game, this is going to take you forever to finish, assuming you will ever finish it. I've played a bunch of scenarios in this game, and I had to really find the time, like take sleepless nights in order to get that done. I don't think, especially with all the essence stuff I've got, that I'll ever find time to finish it. You know, it's going to be one of those things I never get done. And this leads me on to the discussion point. Can you have too much content? Because Gloomhaven was another one of these. So Gloomhaven had like a stupid amount of content in there. I mean, I don't even know exactly how much content is officially in that game. And yes, I don't like Gloomhaven. I got it a four deal with it. But Gloomhaven has, I mean, does it say on the thing how much is in there? Nope. Uh, talks about the mechanics, talks about the ever-branching story, which, let's face it, 
Most people who, even those who love Gloomhaven, don't find this to be a particularly amazing narrative. It's mostly just because they like the Euro game mechanics. But the problem is, I want a dungeon crawl with a narrative, I don't want a Euro game with a dungeon theme shoved on it. So, you know, there's various reasons I don't like, I wasn't a fan of this game. But Gloomhaven has a ton of content, like ridiculous amounts of content. There are people who have owned this game for years and still not finished it. You know, it's got so much stuff in it. Now, that is a testament to, you know, dedication by designers and publishers. The fact that there is so much content in there and that it's never ending. I mean, you know, you got to give credit where it's due. It's impressive the amount of content in, in here. But... Is there a point to having that much content? Because what's the point in having the content if you're never going to see it? There's a lot of branching paths in here which lead on to all sorts of things that you may never see. And if it takes you years and years to finish a one campaign of it, then do you have the incentive to go back and do it all over again? That seems a little bit like wishful thinking. It just like, I don't know, I'd rather get on and do other things, you know, or play other games, really, because I don't like to dedicate myself to a massive campaign if I can help it, and I know I've done it with things like Lord of the Rings Journeys to Middle-earth, and uh, um, what else? Uh, this War of Mine doesn't count. That was only three acts. Oh, Sleeping Gods would be another one. Uh, what else has been campaign? Well, Arkham Horror DLCG, that has campaigns in it, but, you know, I have dedicated myself to some of these campaigns. But, man, they take it out of me because even they go on quite long. I mean, Journeys to Middle-earth is about 13 or so missions you play. It still takes a while to do it. I mean, you're still playing each scenario for a good two hours, you know, about 60 to, 60 to 120 minutes, depending. It takes a long time to get through the content. And um, Arkham Horror LCG, you could be playing each of those scenarios for a good 90 to two hours. And that's assuming you're playing solo or with two players. You play with more players. It's going to take you, like, four hours apiece. And so... How much time do people have? I have a day job, and I'm doing this blog. Now, granted, a lot of people don't have a day, um, sorry, don't have a blog that they have to deal with, but I, you know, I don't have that sort of time to dedicate to one game in its entirety like crazy. But even then, where's everybody else doing it? Because even if you're not doing content creation, the fact that I'm doing a blog is a substitute for the fact that everybody else has spouse, you know, spouses, they have kids, families, kids take up a ton of your time, pets take up your time, I don't have a pet either, I don't have a spouse, and I don't have kids. So the content creation is what fills up all that time for me, but man, I mean, how, do any, how does anybody else find the time? And so I'd rather just not have the content there. Uh, another example is Aoife Fields uh, from Awakened Realms. So this one boasted that it had a ton of content. Like, I, I forget how much it said. Does it say here? Uh, narrative, cooperative game uh, with expansions. Uh, no, it doesn't say here how much content there is. I think it did on the Kickstarter page. But, you know, Aoife Fields was an interesting idea and unique. But it boasts on the Kickstarter page about, oh, I've got 75 hours of content or 150 hours of content. Who cares? 150 hours of content. You know what? I'll settle for 30. You give me 30 hours worth of content, I'll have got my money's worth, assuming you haven't made me spend £300 on the game, in which case don't charge £300 for your game. But I'm never going to play this for 150 hours. I'm not even going to play it for 25. So why have that content? It's now got to a point where, unless it's a stretch goal, I'm less inclined to 
joining Kickstarters for the extra content where it's just more campaigns. It's like, no, just give me the base campaign. If I love the game so much that I binge it and play through the whole campaign, I'm like, oh, I haven't got any more content. Well, then I'll buy a campaign expansion at the time, you know, when I'm ready. Tainted Grail's a good example, actually, because, yes, that takes me a long time to do that campaign. And if I didn't enjoy the game so much, I probably wouldn't spend that much time on it. But even I regret the fact that I bought a lot of the extra campaign stuff up front. So, you know, Tainted Grail, Fall of Avalon was the base game, and that takes you a long time to play anyway. There's already a ton of stuff there. But if I, if I do Tainted Grail on the search again, so Tainted Grail, right, so you have got Tainted Grail, Age of Legends, and Last Night Campaign. So these were additions that you could get, and, you know, these are two full-fledged campaigns. 15 odd chapters or so and I think Tainted Grail had like 20 odd I, I forget how much it was but like I said they got a lot of chapters so this has like those two campaigns took me a long time in fact I only did Age of Legends about what like a couple of months ago you know it took me a long time just to do those two I've still got Red Death <laughs> Red Death is still on the box downstairs I'm never going to get a chance to play that and because it's so difficult I don't know if I want to play it because it's already a hard game as it is but Oh, man, and now we've got Kings of Ruin coming out, which is no doubt going to have extra, like, mini campaigns on top. Fields had the same thing. You got a Harpy campaign you could get. You had a She-Wolf campaign. You had a, a, I don't know, a Miskatonic University campaign. I don't know. But you had all these other campaigns, and it's just like, dude, let us play the game first and see if we enjoy it before you start throwing 200 hours worth of content on us. Yes, there's going to be the odd for you people who have that kind of time on their hands. If so, how do you do it? You know, are you literally unemployed with no spouse and no kids and no pets? Because if so, I might believe you have 200 hours to spend on this sort of stuff. But otherwise, how? How do you manage it? It's just perplexing. Ay ay ay. Right, I need to drink some of this coffee quick. Because it's getting cold. Oh, there we go. But, oh man. So, you know, back to the kind of question, can you have too much content? Yes, wholeheartedly you can have too much content. And this is mainly for narrative, well, actually, no, this doesn't even necessarily apply to narrative games, you know, because, I mean, the best campaigns have got to be short. And I'm sick and tired of campaigns being thrown into every game, including Euro games, but Days of the Siege, it's a game, it's a, sorry, it's a expansion for... Uh, t um, this war of mine, uh, days of the siege. How do you spell siege? <laughs> Me and my spelling. Um, so this is a free act campaign for this war of mine. Free, just free. Now the two second and third mission have two acts that you can go down. So there's technically five acts in this game. You play three. Each one will take you a while. There's a narrative book with a bunch of branching paths. I'm telling you, there is more than enough content in this little mini expansion to give you, like, your money's worth, okay? And it's hands down one of the best campaigns I've played in terms of story, in terms of how it feels, how it changes up the base game, and the fact that it's only three games to finish it. So if I want to play it again, I can find the time to play three games of this war of mine. I don't have to play it for 20 chapters. Oathsworn, like 21 chapters at four hours a piece? I'm sorry, but no. I know some people out there have finished the campaign, but 
I don't have the time to spend on something that gigantic. It's too much and it's why I don't think I'll be keeping the game because it's just too much. What's the point of it burning the, you know, burning up space on my shelf? when I could get rid of it and fill it with something that's going to get played more often. And it's not to say that games in my collection have to get played all the time. I mean, there are games in my collection that have not been played for years. I can't remember the last time I played Civilization, the original Fantasy Flight one. It's been a while since I've uh, brought... Uh, no, no, I played Cosmic Encounter a bit recently. Uh, automobiles. Haven't played that in a while. Space Base, haven't really played that in a while. Uh, Predator Portrait, haven't played that in a good year and a bit. Uh, Hall of the Mountain King hasn't been played in a while. Edge of Darkness, giant Euro game. Not played that in a long time. But the fact is, is that I know that I want to play them again. And when I do play them, they're going to be good fun. You know, so, and they can hang around there and I'll play them when I'm ready. It's not like they're going to die out or, you know, I'm going to feel like I'm missing out on a story. But with these 200-hour narrative campaigns, if you put them down for too long, you're going to forget what story there was in the first place. So you need to be fresh on them, and I just can't keep up with them. And I'm surprised a lot of people can. You know, where do you find this time? But it doesn't necessarily just apply to narrative story games. Euro games have this problem. I mentioned Teotihuacan earlier. Well... Teotihuacan, as I mentioned, comes with free expansions. I've barely used half of one, or one expansion, out of the three. So there's just a lot of stuff in the game that's a bit much to bear. So why did I bother getting the content? It's bloat. There's just too much bloat in it now, and it puts me off wanting to play it, because now I've got to separate all the expansion stuff out. Or you know, And uh Anachrony is another one, actually. Anachrony has got a really good expansion for it, right? Uh, Fractures of Time. And Fractures of Time is a cool expansion for what is already a great game. The problem is, it adds so much extra complexity and rules overhead to the game that I cannot play this expansion unless I am playing with die-hard fans of the game and we feel like including it. We don't always feel like including it because we know we've got to relearn it again and it's such... A complexity overload. So the last few times we played Anachrony, we haven't even played with Fractures. And don't get me started on all those mini stuff like the Pioneers and Doomsday and Future Imperfect. I mean, come on. I do not want to play those mini expansions. This game has enough in the base game already. You know, so I've got the infinity box for this thing. I'm glad to have the game trays and I'm glad to have the miniatures. But man, I kind of wish I didn't have those <laughs> expansions because now it's taking up three times the space that it should be. Uh, what other expansions? Let's see, what other Euro games can I think of that go down this route? Um, most of, I mean, there's actually a good uh, board game, uh, Geek Fred, actually, on here saying it literally has only turned up recently, I think. Uh, yeah, yesterday, in fact. Anyone here stick with the more of the same expansions only? You know what? Have a little read of this. It's an interesting little read. But, yeah, uh, that's actually a fair point. Because I'm starting to be more interested in that now. You know, give me a game that's amazing. That I want to play. You know, Spirit Island's a good example. Nature Incarnate. You're going to get to a point now where you're thinking, oh, blimey. You know, do I really need another expansion for Spirit Island? Because there's already enough in it as it is. But most of Nature Incarnate is basically more of the good stuff. There's one extra rule about these incarners that you use, which is kind of like a player piece for the spirit. So these spirits are a bit more complex. But it's mainly just more spirits, more cards, more enemies, more of the good stuff. So 
I can buy that and shove it into my game and it will get played because it's not completely changing the game. It's not like throwing in fractures of time into anachrony, you know, because that fundamentally changes the game and has a ton of extra rules overhead. You know, this is just more cool stuff. Uh, you know, Endless Winter. I got to review that one. It comes, there's a lot of expansions for that game and a bunch of little mini variants. Did we need that much expansion content right now? Could we have not just had the base game and stuck with it? Maybe a couple of variants in there for some of the cards. But I don't think we needed three or four big expansions with this game now. That's just too much content right now. And this affects Kickstarter prices because people are now getting a little bit concerned that, oh, Kickstarters are really expensive now. I can't afford to do this. There's a chance I'm going to back Mosaic because the game sounds like one I'd enjoy. But part of me, I know, it, my logical mind is telling me just get the retail version. But because I'm going to get paid soon uh, for some side work, I'm thinking, well, that money could go towards the Colossus edition and it would look really nice. It's a nice looking edition with those play mats. But the, that's the geek side of me going, oh, I'd love to have the big box of shiny stuff, you know. But then the logical brain of me is saying, Luke, what are you on? Just get the Sphinx edition or something. And it's like, ah. But again, could be too much content and the but then that one is mainly just the base game so it's not like there's 12 expansions in there already that's just the one that they're releasing wars and disasters but most kickstarters will be right here's the game and by the way here's all the expansion add-on content you can get please give me 300 bucks could you have not just given me the base game on its own and charged 75 that would have been a lot better thank you so it it's not just narrative games, it's Euro games as well. And I'm hearing a lot of people get to this point where they're really starting to tone down on their Kickstarter pledges, how much content they need. And for someone like me, where time is a rare commodity, that almost might as well be its own resource in a board game. Actually, Pursuit of Happiness, that's a perfect example. But yeah, it's just... It's getting to the point with me where I've got to really think about games that I'm keeping. Am I going to play them? Do I need that much content? Oh, I would really like this narrative board game. This narrative board game sounds quite fun. Yeah, I don't quite need 50 hours of content right now. You know what? I'm good with 20. Let me have the base game. And then if you wow me with the content, great. ISS Vanguard's a good example, actually. Um, and Burn Cycle. I've got both here, right? Um, I'm not re I haven't planned to review Burn Cycle. If I do, it won't be until 2024. Uh, free. I forget what year I'm in. But I've got to review ISS Vanguard. Now, obviously, I'm not going to play for the entire game of like campaign of ISS Vanguard before I review it. That would be physically impossible for me. But I'm already having good fun with it so far, spoiler alert. But the thing is, is that that one is, I think, was just base content. If it came out with like another two campaigns I could have bought at the time, I would have just left them and gone, come blimey, there is a lot of content in that game that's going to keep me going for ages. I do not need a side campaign. Burn Cycle. I bought it secondhand from a friend of mine and, you know, it's got the first Kickstarter content, right? Uh, it's got like one extra adversary that you can fight. Okay, cool. I like having an extra scenario in a game. That's cool. And scenarios are one-offs. But the extra content that came out with the second Kickstarter, you know what? I can do without that, thanks. <laughs> that's a bit too much content for a game that's already huge. <laughs> There's got to be limits. Um, must be another example, a Caverna. I've got Frantic Fiends over there. I want to play that and have a look at the expansion. Reading the rules to it, it looks like a pretty involved expansion. Like, it is not a simple include. And I don't even think you can use it with Forgotten Folk. 
which is a problem in itself because now it's like well now i've got two expansions that don't gel with each other so was that too much content should i have just said you know what who cares about frantic fiends i'm gonna have to now play both of them decide which one i prefer and sell the bit that i don't want it's because i don't want to keep two expansions for a game if i'm just going to play the first one it's it, it's kind of weird like that. I did it with Seven Wonders Duel. I have Pantheon, and I think Pantheon's a great expansion. Screw Agora, I couldn't be bothered with that one. So it it's an interesting little debate. And for me personally, I think there is easily too much content in games. People are trying to shove everything in the kitchen sink into their games in order to make them sell, in order to give them buzz. And this is kick, Kickstarter and game crowdfunding has driven this. With all the channels coming out and going, buy this game, buy this game, buy this game now. Yeah, yeah, FOMO, FOMO. Yeah, bye, 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 bye. And this is a problem with the industry at the moment because of all this buzz, all this hype, it's generating everybody to think you know, not think about their wallets and just go, ooh, look shinies, I want, 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 spend, 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 shut up and take my money. And so everybody's like out of pocket as a result and then they end up with these massive Kickstarters, they might not even enjoy the game when they get them, or they might enjoy the game and go, yeah, but I'm never going to play all this content. Man, why did I buy 200 hours worth of content? That was a bit of a mistake. And you get buyer's remorse as a result. And certainly I've had my fair share of it now. So I'm a lot more picky with uh, campaign-based Kickstarters, certainly anything that throws in way too much content than it needs to, and hopefully a lot of other people are. But if you're one of those people who have all the time in the world to play every game imaginable all the way through, all 200 hours apiece, then firstly, I envy you, and I respect you greatly, because I don't know how you find the time. You are gods among... You are gods and goddesses among men and women out there, seriously. But... I would imagine that a lot of people struggle with too much content, and I'd be interested to know your thoughts. Do you think there is such a thing as too much content? Give me some examples. I mean, I've mentioned a bunch of games there. Are there any other games where you think, ah, oh, there was way too much expan too much expansion content? And don't mention LCGs, because yes, I, I forgot to mention, yes, LCGs, perfect. I mean, so much content has been released for things like Marvel Champions, and Arkham Horror LCG, and Lord of the Rings LCG, and you're like... Yeah, did I really need to buy all those expansions because am I actually going to play for all these scenarios? Am I going to use all these cards? Maybe I should have just stuck with, you know, a couple of sets and just been glad that I enjoy the game, you know. So LCGs are a perfect example as well. But what other games can you think of that have got too much content or too much bloat and you've regretted getting that content? Or... Can you just think of games where it has a ton of content and you've played it all and you found the time? In which case, was it worth it? Or was it a one-off like fluke that you were able to do it? You know, just let me know your stories. But that's it for now. So that's literally an hour, not include, you know, that's an hour including breaks. So I think that will wrap it up for this podcast episode. So I better get on with editing and releasing it and hopefully do some more video reviews tonight. But thanks for joining me on this episode. I'll see you on the next Broken Meeple review. Bear in mind, I've got stuff like Lacrimosa and Etowa and Flamecraft, you know, lots of the, and Endless Winter and Eleven. There's going to be a lot of games I got to get reviewed and played. There's all sorts coming. And I hope you enjoy them as much as I enjoy reviewing them. So you know, there's a lot of content for you. Do not worry. But also the collaborations will start soon. Um, all Aboard Gamer and I have set a date where I haven't done the thumbnails and everything yet, but uh, two weeks' time, is it two or three weeks? I think it's three weeks' time, 21st, I think, of November, whatever the Monday is, in the evening, GMT, so sort of afternoon uh, American time. All Aboard Gamer and I will be doing uh, a collaboration top 10, uh, so uh, 
I think it's just going to be one of them, not both of them, but, you know, it'll be two of us on the stream, and it's going to be live, it's those collaborations, they're coming back again, and I say chairman of the board wants to do something with me at some point soon, so I'll definitely get in touch with him and sort out the next one on, but we, all the Border Gamer and I are going to talk about our top uh, this is a Patreon voted top 10. My top 10 overrated games returns. Yes, this was the most voted by Patreons when I asked them for top 10 ideas and um, restricting it to the last five years. So we're talking top 10 overrated games of the last five years. So this is 2018, 19, 20, 21 and 22 inclusive. Five years what are our overrated games? So the reason I'm doing five years is because if I went for all time, it would be impossible to make the list. But it was already pretty hard to narrow it down to 10, frankly, in five years. But it also means that I can stop talking about things like Great Western Trail and Concordia and Food Chain Magnate and all that stuff because that stuff is older than 2018. So you won't hear about those titles. You're going to hear about some new stuff. Oh, boy. There's going to be rants. But I'll be interested to see what uh, he thinks of as well because that should be quite fun. Anyway, I'm going to get on, so thank you. If you like what you see, please remember you can thumb up the video and share it on social media. Please do, because thumbing up the video and getting your comments down below and sharing it helps with the algorithm. It helps this channel to grow. But of course, if you want to help me out to get more review copies and make more content for you, then by all means, subscribe to the Patreon if you can. But mainly, if you can subscribe to the channel, that's even better. Let me just know you're there and let me know your thoughts. So until next time, remember as always, it's only a game. Bye for now and take care.